to another episode of Inside the Recording Studio. I am Jody Whitesides, and with me, as always, is Mr. Chris Hallstrom. How are you today, Chris? Doing fantastic, Jody. How are you doing? I'm feeling all right. Yeah? Yeah. All right, so glad to hear you're doing well. What's going on in your world? Anything you want to share? Not really, but I hear you have something you want to talk back on the talk back with today. I do. I have something I want to touch on, and I, I was listening to a person being interviewed this was a thought that I hadn't actually had, and it made perfect sense to me, so I want to throw it on to you here. This was an audio engineer who cut his teeth in the days of analog. So here's a person who was working with tape and doing all the stuff that you do for tape. He gave his thought on why people probably thought in the early days of digital that it sounded brittle and thin. Mm. And his hypothesis was that, well, in the days of tape, they would frequently boost a lot more high-end and do all the techniques for doing that because so much of it was going to get lost once it hit tape, like right. transients and all this stuff. Tape to get ends the up not having all that high-end unless you really gun it in there. Right, and all the things with, you know, like running Dolby one way and all this kind of stuff, yeah. right? Yeah. To get that really high-end. His hypothesis was that, well, all the engineers that were working at that time, this was their workflow. This is how you make records. Mm -hmm. And it didn't necessarily dawn on them that when you're doing it into the digital realm, like you like to say, whatever you feed it, that's where you get back. Right. So they were giving it all of this excess high end and therefore thought, wow, that's really bright. That sounds like garbage. But the reality was that it was a workflow thing and digital just gave back what you fed it. And I thought that was a really interesting point. That hadn't occurred to me, but that sounds like it could be true. In other words, they were just so used to their normal workflow of how they'd use their EQs and everything else. They just blasted it with just too much high end is what you're saying. Right, exactly. And, you know, you do something long enough, it becomes your workflow and that's how you make a record. Right, but now Bob's your uncle. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that was my talk back. What are we talking about today? Great additional tools and the benefits of digital. See, there is benefits to digital, right? That's a giant mouthful of things right there I just let out. The idea here is that both you and I frequently proclaim that Tools in your DAW, your EQs, your compressors, your delays, your reverbs, your blah, 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 are great to get you off the ground and doing quality stuff with. But there are tools that generally, if they're not in your DAW, there are probably better versions out there. And these are tools that can help you out in a pinch or if you have issues with your audio. So, yes. Yeah. And it depends on the DAW that you're talking about. Sure. A lot of the things that we're going to mention today are somewhat available in Logic, mm -hmm. Pro Tools, Cubase, those types of things, Studio One. They're all in there in a sense, or at least a good portion of them, but not everything. There are some specialty things that DAWs don't have. Yeah. Even if they are in there, like in the case of Logic, there are certain things that we're going to bring up here that are vastly superior to just That's so that. huge. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the first one I'm going to bring up is Salomone's Melodyne. Mm -hmm. 
And yes, we have flex pitch and there's pitch correction in other dolls as well. To me, Melodyne is the big dog that does it the smoothest and the best for my money anyway. It's definitely the one that everybody looks to other than Antares Auto-Tune. Yes. Essentially, Antares started this, but Salamone came in and said, piss off, we do it better. <laughs> yeah, Auto-Tune was first. And mm -hmm. it's even become a verb these days, right? Oh, those vocals have been auto-tuned. One thing that, that sets, well, there's two things really, I'll touch on both here, that I think Melodyne do better than that. And I have to preface this by saying that I haven't used auto-tune in years, ever since I started using Melodyne. And it's not for any other reason, like, well, I have Melodyne, it does its thing really, really well. The first thing that blew my mind when they started doing it, because I think you, you would probably share my mindset when you say like, there's no way of doing this. And that's polyphonic pitch correction. Yeah, Melodyne does that extremely well. I don't know any other program that actually does it to the extent that Melodyne does. Yeah, maybe we should describe that a little bit more for people that might not be aware of what that actually means. Well, generally speaking, auto-tune, Logic's pitch correction, Pro Tools pitch correction, any DAW's built-in pitch correction works on monophonic sources, which means that one note is playing at a time. Yeah. That's it. Mono pitch, not even monophonic, it's mono pitch, because monophonic could actually have multiple layers in it. The idea with polyphonic pitch correction, though, is Melodyne is somehow capable of analyzing every pitch that's going on at once. Yeah. separating it out so that you can then pitch correct individual notes within a chord. Let's say you have a guitar player that's a little heavy handed on his ring finger. So any note that he plays with his ring finger is bent sharp because he's terrible like that. <laughs> <laughs> you can throw that into Melodyne that has the polyphonic pitch correction, find that offending note that's played by the third finger every time and straighten that shit out in terms of putting it back into pitch so that it's not bent slightly out of tune. Yeah. And it's that, crazy. Yeah, and that's a really cool thing because I know I've done a few things for you before you had that functionality in your version where you can have a really good take and it can ev even be such a thing that the guitar is not intonated properly. There might be an mm -hmm. issue with a fret. It's like whenever you're hitting that chord, that one note is just grating. That is a fantastic tool to be able to correct that. And it is. Before and people I have actually had you do that for me on other people's material, not my right. own. I'm one of those anal retentive types with my guitars that everything is, as you say, intonated and everything's working. But if I get somebody in the studio that doesn't want to play a guitar that's that way and they want to play theirs and it needs to be corrected. Yeah, and even... People go like, well, you know, you should get it right at the source. Yes, you absolutely should. Yes, you should. should. Absolutely. If that is not an option, this is a great thing to be able to save that recording as opposed to listen back and going like, oh, my God, I wish you could have redone that or whatever. Mm -hmm. So every time you Agreed. hear that, it's like, hmm, that note's a little sharp. That just so people know out there, Melodyne comes in four flavors. 
Yeah. There is the Melodyne Essentials, which only does one note at a time, one track at a time. There's Melodyne Assistant, which is a little bit more advanced. Then you have Melodyne Editor, which allows you to do polyphonic pitch correction. And then Melodyne Studio, which is a standalone version along with the plugin that allows you to do polyphonic stuff plus a plethora of other things. Yeah. Other things that you can do with this is kind of crazy where you can... I'm sure this is something I'm sure is implemented in other competitive products as well, but control vibrato of notes, that type of thing. So you can tape mm-hmm. thing or, or tame things to really, really clean up a performance. I thought it was interesting when they came out with this, they didn't want to necessarily sell it as fixing bad performances, but they actually made it a point to say, that well, if you have all these loop libraries that you have of notes. Let's say that, oh, we have a a sample here of a uh, guitar piece that somebody wants to use, but it's in a minor key, but they want it to be major. Mm -hmm. You fly that sucker into Melodyne and just change that note so it's actually a major third as opposed to a minor third. Yes, uh, you could do that. And while I'm not condoning this because that could actually be a copyright issue, it is possible. Right, but they were selling it as like when you have these sample libraries that you had bought for your own use. Because this is, ooh, are we in the 2000s at all at this point? But it was pretty big business where you actually buy sample CDs and things, and this was a way to kind of stretch the usability of those. Sure. Another thing that we're both fans of as well with Salamony is ARA technology. Yes. That does that really well. Do you, you want to expand on that? ARA technology allows you to use Melodyne straight in the DAW without having to make a copy of the audio file that you're attempting to pitch correct. There was a point in time where prior to ARA technology, you had to input that track into Melodyne, then edit it, and then you're doubling up all your files is what it was. And now with... ARA technology, it's still essentially doing the same thing, but you don't have to manually deal with it anymore, which is awesome. Yeah, it's pretty much instant as you're doing it, and it constantly updates, yeah. I still have that workflow hangover, though, where I'm done with my edits. I don't leave them in Melodyne. I have to, like, bounce them to file because (laughs) I'm afraid something's going to be messed up. Well, there's always that. And of course, if you work in a flow that we have described in previous episodes, you're going to output all your multi-tracks anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Smart people do it. (laughs) (laughs) Yay, I'm smart. What's next Uh, on our little list of tools here, Chris? This is kind of in the same ballpark to me. I don't have as much experience with this, which is to say I have none, but I know you do. Mm-hmm. And it's Synchro Arts Vocal Line. Yes. What does it do? So this, the way I think of this, and you will correct me if I'm wrong here, here I'm thinking when you're dealing with lots and lots of multi-track vocals, mm-hmm. that the timing discrepancies of those can be really, really time-consuming to go fix. Sure. And if you don't fix them, it's not going to sound that great. It's not going to have the impact that you want. Vocaline takes care of that relatively automatically in a very good way. Yes. Vocaline is like the ultimate in time correction 
for vocals. You could use it for anything, but they have specifically designed it around vocals. And you feed it a guide track, and then you tell every track outside of the guide track, that is the guide track that you need to follow. And when you do that, and everything's relatively close, it time corrects every other track to the guide track. And you can set it for how tight you want it or how loose you want it, that sort of thing. Without taking the sheer ridiculous amount of time that, say, Lenny Kravitz might have used to hand sing Fly Away. Right. Because he did that manually. Sure. And with just clean singing. and all this kind of stuff. Yes. And all the early Mutt Lang stuff. I guess it's kind of like Mutt Lang in a box. But <laughs> <laughs> There's, That's one way of looking at it. Right. And who wouldn't want that? So, I mean, is it best to get it right? Yeah, sure. And get it as close as you can. But there's still going to be those discrepancies. With certain pop productions today, there's no discrepancy. People kind of hear that right away and you kind of lose the impact. So a tool like this is really, really a time saver. It's a good way to perfect your imperfections in a hurry. The right. nice thing about Vocaline, much like Melodyne, is that it also now has ARA capability, which negates the need to make multiple versions of every track that you're going to time correct the vocals for. Right. You know, if I did a lot more of those massive harmonies and stuff, I'll pull the trigger on that in a heartbeat. I don't, so I haven't yet, but it's a very, very tempting tool. Mm -hmm. Next up, we got another fantastic tool. I actually mentioned this as a uh, Friday find a couple of weeks ago, I think, yes, because I've recently spent a lot more time with it. Well, you can attest to this. I've called you and I'm just being all giddy. But it's, <laughs> yeah, it's this uh, is true. Isotopes RX. I am talking primarily about the standalone version, which is just an indispensable tool. If you have great takes, you've been in the studio, getting awesome sounds and everything, but there's a little bit of an issue in this file somewhere. It could be a creaking door, a creaking floor. And if you're... Fart? Flatulence? <laughs> yeah. I mean, because I was going to say that when you have a, a situation where you're working with room mics and everything and everything is real sensitive, you can hear a fly fart in that microphone. Everything gets picked up, right? Mm -hmm. This is just amazing when it comes to all that kind of stuff. I mean, there's a reason why a lot of the post guys use it for movie editing and, and audio for movies and stuff location things for music as well it is crazy powerful i tend to use a particular plugin from rx on which is just about every mix spectral denoise yeah and the reason for that is for whatever reason wherever you're recording there's always going to be some type of noise that you most likely don't want and when yeah. you don't want it Spectral Denoise takes a nice little imprint of what that is, creates an EQ curve for it, and then figures out how to remove that from your material. And it's amazing. Right. I don't know what kind of math those guys are doing, but it's pretty impressive the, the way all of those tools work. That is another huge 
a lifesaver when it comes to like your audio production. So. Any kind of cleanup of any kind of noise, RX can very well take care of it. The beauty about RX, it's affordable. Even for the most expensive version of it, it's affordable. There are other companies that do heavier forensic work, so to speak, than RX <laughs> oh, can <yeah>. do. <laughs> but they cost like tens of thousands of dollars to have and own and make use of. Whereas you're talking a few hundred dollars with Isotopes RX, even for the giant bundle. Yeah, I think everything. that the, the flagship one is close to 700 which is not jump change. But that's not $15,000 no, or exactly. $20,000 or $30,000 like some of these others are. Right. But I'm saying like for somebody that, you know, is just starting out and they're looking at that price tag, it's all oh, 700 bucks. But if you're somebody that edits audio and you're dealing with these recordings on a daily basis. So that's like that, nothing. That, yeah. 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 You'll make that back pretty In darn hurry. quick. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of making things back, let's take a word from our sponsors. And we're back. We're going to move on with a couple more tools. What's our next tool, Chris? Next one is something that, again, I don't own yet. But uh, we were both floored by this at NAMM. Yes. And it's Auto Align 2 from Soundradix. Do you remember what we thought when we heard that audio example? I actually saw it demonstrated at NAM, And you could it, still hear what it could do despite all the noise of NAM. Yes. Yeah. It was one of those things where it's like, I want, I want, I want. When does it come out? Give it to me now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Again, here, here's uh, something that can we do this manually? Yes, absolutely. But it's tedious work. It's not fun. And what we're talking about is how AutoAlign essentially takes, let's say you're recording a drum set, several different mics. Chances are you're going to have a little bit of phasing issues going on there. For sure. And even if you're correcting for that, the alignment of those things are going to be off and you're going to lose a little bit of impact. Can you adjust that by hand? Absolutely. Is it boring? Yes. Is it worth it? Yes. Is it time consuming? Absolutely. But if you have but if you have this bad boy, what does it take? A couple of seconds? It was lightning quick. It was yeah. damn fast. <laughs> right. And th that was just super impressive to me. I mean, I know they have stuff on their website that you can go and listen to. What really floored me is that I could hear the difference at NAM. Yes. And that's when you know that it's an impressive piece of kit. Right. It's not one of those things where you have to like really lean in and it's like, oh, I can think I can hear something. That was really, really cool. And just how fast it was. Even if you're not recording drum kits, but let's say that you're multi-miking guitars or bass with the DI or whatever, uh -huh. it's an indispensable tool, I think. The idea so. of SoundRadix is auto-align is that it fixes timing and phase issues across multiple tracks that you give it. Right. That's the simple, pure, and sweet little bit. Now, are there other tools that allow you to do this? Possibly. One of those that comes to mind that I've used a fair amount is Eventide's Precision Time Align plugin. Oh, yeah. Now, it doesn't do the same thing as Auto Align 
automatically, meaning you have to do this shit manually and you have to do it track by track, which is time consuming. Mm. However, precision timeline from Eventide can be accurate down to 1 64th of a sample. Now, how they're capable of doing of this, I have no idea. Math. It's like, yeah, whatever <laughs> kind of algorithmic math that they're using is insane because a sample is a sample. How do you go beyond a sample? I don't know. But whatever they're doing, they allow you to get to within 1 64th of a sample, which is crazy. Yeah. But it's time consuming to do it. It's a very nice plugin to have. I have used it multiple times, especially when multi-tracking an acoustic guitar that has a direct and maybe a mic or two. It makes it very easy. However, if I had auto-aligned version two, which is the new one that we saw at NAMM, yeah. it would make it so much easier. Right. Let's say that all you're doing is you're recording acoustic guitar. That might be something that you could get used to. You, you develop a certain workflow and you fix that and it's going to sound glorious. But if you're working in the studio or you have a room where you're recording drummers and things, larger sets of mics that mm -hmm. cannot deal with that. It's a really, really cool thing. I'm going to agree with you. It's a very cool thing. Let's move on to another tool. The last one here is... Um, Another big one, because it really deals with the real world, where we're talking about room correction or headphone correction as well. Yes. Right? And these are highly important factors, especially for people doing mixes. Yeah. Obviously, we keep saying it, but if you can't hear what's really going on, how are you going to do an accurate mix? And that's where you get that disappointment when you go out to the car or you're listening on your iPhone with your earbuds or you're taking it over to your buddy's house who's a bass player who has giant notes in his room. <laughs> Inside joke. That's where you, you lose all the translation, right? And you get disappointment, frustration as well, of course. The software that I'm thinking about here is the first one that I got was uh, Sound ID yep. from Sonarworks, which mm -hmm. great technology, right? It's oh, fantastic yeah. for people that don't have Perfect Full rooms. Blown. Yeah. And even if you have a perfect room, it's not a bad idea to have sound ID on top of it. At least it can expose some things that you might not be aware of. That's a really, really cool one. And also sound ID, even if you're not using your monitors and using them that way, if you have a tendency to mix on headphones, it corrects the tendencies of your headphones that are they tend to be hyped whether they say it or not, right? True. So, and the idea behind Sound ID too is they do have a plethora of headphone curves mm -hmm. that are already built into the system. But if you have a set of headphones like they don't have the curve for, you can then send your headphones into Sound ID. They will make the imprint of the curve and send it back to you along with your headphones. Of course, you're without your headphones for a while, but they will then give you a curve that will flatten them out if you are so in love with them. Yeah. When I first did that, when I got it, it was shocking to me. And it revealed so many things. It's like, oh, my God, these hype this much in whatever frequency, right? And mm -hmm. just how bad my room was. <laughs> it was. It's shocking. So, again, it's a great time saver for when you're doing your mixes. And another one that I am using right now 
is Stephen Slate Audio's VSX. I mentioned those a lot on this podcast. But yes, the technology do. here is fantastic, how it puts you in these virtual studios and really allows for that mixed translation. I think it's an absolutely wonderful thing. So, I agree. I haven't yeah. tried it, but I agree with you. Yeah. The thing that can be a little bit difficult at first is because you've never heard audio that way before unless you're working in said room, right? Sure. You listen to some reference material for a while and everybody says it in their ads, I'm gonna say it anyway, is that you will probably have the experience where I'm sitting in my listening position and I feel like my monitors are on and I take them off just to make sure that they're not. Mm -hmm. And that's how real they sound, like they're in an actual physical space. And that's a little bit of a, a learning curve to kind of get over, but it, it is a really, really cool thing. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right. With that, we're going to move on to our Friday Finds. Chris, what have you got for us this week? I saw something this week that actually ties together remarkably well with what we've been talking about today. Um, it's from STL Tones. They have Control Hub that was their mix plugin, basically. But now they have something they call the Control Hub Tracer. The best way to think about this, I think, is to imagine what a Kemper does for a guitar player where you can take a tone print of an amp setup and fly it into your camper, and now you have that tone. Right. This is the same, but for outboard gear, like compressors or EQs, whatever you have. Let's say that you're that analog guy, mm. and you're like, no, I'm using only my outboard gear. Unfortunately, I only have one of them. Right. You can now take a tone print of that, and use it in the control hub. So you can use that now on every track if you want. Wait, what? Yes. So you can set an LA-2A to do some sort of compression and it will do the compression? Yes. You send the signal. It's almost like you're capturing an IR with the technology. So it gives you the IR audio to send into the How's hardware gonna unit. How's it going to know volume-wise how to compress the signal? That doesn't make any sense. Go check it out. It's pretty damn impressive. All right. Yeah, it looks really, really cool. Think of it as a camper for audio gear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I thought that was really cool. So that is my Friday find for this week. What have you got for us, Jody? This week, I'm looking at a thing called myvox.ai. It is a website that is in beta that allows you to clone your voice. Okay. <laughs> question that. That's the idea behind it. It is a voice cloning service. You can sign up as an artist to give them samples of your voice in order to allow others to use your voice if that's what you would wish to do. They don't have a lot of things going right now, but it is one of the few that are out there making clones of voices. I figured, fuck it. I signed up. I don't know if I will get in, but I signed up to see if I could get in. I would like to try cloning my voice in a sense to see if it can sing things that are out of my range and oh, still sound like me. That was kind of the point. The other point that I gave them in reference to signing up to the site was if 
they do a clone my voice and somebody wants to use it, I get the copyright on that because I don't want to give away my voice for nothing, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> That's an interesting point, though, because my, my thought always is that with a lot of this like AI and you're dealing with cloning people's voices, as in this case, it's like, why would you want to do that? Why don't you just hire the artist? But the idea that you want to extend your range, I find that intriguing. Because Me now too, you can get which is oh, why I, can... I decided I thought it would be cool to try. Right. Hey, I can hit a fourth higher now. That's great. That, that, <laughs> well, that's that a is... lot higher for sure. Well, yeah, I know. But <laughs> hey, who knows, right? So, mm -hmm. All right, cool, cool. Myvox.ai, if you are interested in messing with your voice, that's the place that I decided to try signing up for. While we've got your attention, we ask that you go to insidetherecordingstudio.com and sign up for our mailing list. You'll need to be on our email list in order to be eligible for future giveaways. And we'll make sure you don't miss any future episodes of this insanely cool podcast. Send us an email at goldstar, G-O-L-D-S-T-A-R, at insidetherecordingstudio.com with the word tools, and you'll get something cool back in your inbox. If you have a topic or suggestion for Chris and I to explain in a future episode, contact us at the contact page and we'll put it into consideration for a future episode. With that, I'll say see you next week. Have a great one, Jody. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Bye.